Jill with Julian on the brown note and a very unusual Gone But Forgotten where I normally review um, an album, mainly an album, but sometimes an artist that has, was either denied classic status on release or has been completely forgotten about from the conversation. And for once, it's a film review, The Football Factory from 2004. So this is based on a novel by John King, and it was about football hooligans, particularly from Chelsea. And I've always said that this is the English train spotting, uh, and it, it never really got any critical acclaim on release, but it did get a lot of controversy because a lot of the extras were actually real football hooligans. Uh, and it tells the it, the film itself is directed by Nick Love and written by A.J. Lovell. Nick Love himself has gone on to direct a few more films to diminishing returns, usually about East London bother boys or London near-do-wells and he even did a remake of the excellent football hooligan film one of the first films to feature gary oldman uh, the firm uh, and unfortunately his version of the firm was a very tepid affair uh, it was it didn't really work it was incredibly cringe inducing but seek out the original uh, this tells the story of danny dyer uh, much maligned but laterly loved british actor who came to prominence uh, doing Hard Men of Britain sort of documentary series where he became a bit of a laughing stock for being all right, geezer, I'm a cockney geezer sort of thing. But people have grown to love him over the years. I, I, he's great on um, 8 Out of 10 Cats Do Countdown. He really showed another side to himself where he's actually really, really funny and just doesn't care. Uh, and um, this was at the peak of him becoming a sort of film star where everyone sort of paid out on him for white oh, geezer, it's a bit like just being like this faux Londoner. Um, but it's, it tells the story of uh, Chelsea football hooligans um, revolving their entire lives around fighting other football hooligans. And that's it, really. And interwoven into that is this um, storyline of uh, his granddad, who's a, a, an older actor, um, who's leaving the UK, fought in World War II, uh, decides to move to Australia because he's just fed up with the violence and the, and the, and also the conflict between a lot of these World War II veterans and the modern far right, uh, where the World War II veterans are saying, you know, we used to fight you, and the modern right, the like the hard right, the National Front, the almost paramilitary side of the hard right claim ownership of this britain of the second world war whereas these other people are saying no actually we fought people like you you don't represent us uh, and there's not much story it's only a 90 minute film but it is a rocket and i i think of it more as a vignette um this film is so rock and roll it's got the best soundtrack i'm playing uh, stuff on the radio from the soundtrack from the streets couple of brilliant primal screen tra uh, tracks the jam um the rapture mogwai it is the equal of the train spotting soundtrack well worth it and it's got great use of the music as well particularly something like what a waster i think the libertines debut single when they're all on this coach going up north to watch a football match well not they never go to watch a football match that is a very important point watching football is completely irrelevant to these people. They go to where the football matches are to fight the opposition hooligans. And this used to be a really big deal in the UK. And one of the things the firm film from the 80s showed was 
how a lot of these football hooligans then decided to band together to fight European fans. <clears throat> so at the end of the firm, I think the, the, one of the main characters is killed. But the aftermath of that is the, the English fans stopping their petty parochial local grievances and going off to fight the common enemy in Europe, which is the fans of Germany and Italy and uh, Holland and all of the other countries. And the, the thing that really stuck out for me about Football Factory were two elements at the start and the end. And one was him saying about how they basically just love to fight. And looking for a deeper meaning here, he talks about the, um, we're an island nation, we love to fight. The, um, the language used throughout is, is fantastic in this film, as good as Trainspotting, I think. Um, really heavy swearing and, and colloquial slang, but brilliantly done, very authentic. Uh, Nick Love himself was from a South London housing estate. It's almost like the Technicolor Dreamcoat version of um, Neil by Mouth in some ways. And they're all horrible people. There's, no, there's nothing to love about any of these people. Um, but he says that, you know, we're an island race. We just love to fight. We like being on the, on the vanguard, on the forefront. And the other thing, which is like saying it's part of the British national character to get really drunk and fight. And the other thing is at the end, when everything goes horribly wrong and he's given the opportunity to go to Australia, that he refuses it because where he is is so special to him. This is his home. This is his family. These people that just go out beating people half to death. That's his home and family. He doesn't want to go and live a soft life in Australia in the sun. Uh, I thought Danny Dyer was really good in this film. He's perfectly cast. Um, but a lot of the others are really, really good. Frank Harper's a brilliant actor. And he plays a much nastier football hooligan, an older one. Um, <coughs> he's a real live wire. Brilliant performance from him. Roland Manukian, he's a great performance in this as a young kid who's just, as, they, as uh, Danny Dyer's character states, brought up on hate and glue. There's some great dialogue in this film. Um, lots of the side cast are incredibly convincing um, as football hooligans, and as was found out, that many of them actually were. There's some really scary men in this film that you would just never want to be around. And it even does a painful reconstruction of the Goodfellas scene at the restaurant um, where the character played by um, Ro uh, Frank Harper actually does that whole um, Joe Pesci scene about, you know, I amuse you, I'm here to make you laugh. It's just a retread. It's quite painful. But the rest of the film, it's so evocative. It's got some really beautiful cinematography, unexpectedly beautiful of the... Um, like the skyline of London. It's got this amazingly pumping soundtrack, which veers from very heavy dance music to um, absolutely pounding indie rock. Terrific use of sound. Um, and it never dawdles. It's just a series of vignettes, which are often very funny. Um, I found that the, um, you know, the, the authenticity, despite how silly it is, the authenticity of everything really does come through. These are a lot of men that look really hard and scary. Uh, and they're not nice people. They're never presented as nice people. But I think like train spotting, it kind of hit the zeitgeist on what it meant to be in the UK at this particular era 
from the people to the music, uh, uh, which is what Trainspotting does so wonderfully. It's not as artistic as Trainspotting, but it often is artistic. You know, there's some great sequences of uh, cinematography married to music. There's a Mogwai chasing a freak is used, and there's some, you know, these subtexts of the life you're living is going to get you in the end. But I love the fact that the main character rejects everything he's learned. He just rejects a lot. Um, and so who's his mate? His mate's excellent. Uh, Neil Maskell, another really good actor. Um, and the uh, Tamar Hassan, who plays the, the Millwall hooligan head. He is terrifying. <laughs> So there are, you know, the London boozers, the smashed pint glasses, the incredible soundtrack, the often really surprisingly good cinematography, how fast it is on its feet. Uh, it's never dull for a second. And the odd kernel of truth about what it means to be a drunken UK person that fights a lot is I thought, I think this is a, a near masterpiece that deserves to be put back in the conversation as an English take on the same sort of themes that Trainspotting had. I mean, you get to the point in Trainspotting where they're in London and it almost merges with the football factory. So I think football hooliganism itself has morphed over the years. It's, it's almost indistinct in the UK now. You almost see more about football hooliganism in Australia than you do in the UK at the moment. And there's a wider notion as to why football fans particularly, or soccer fans, particularly fight. Um, and where that comes from is, is, you know, why don't other sports do that? Even in the UK, rugby fans sit side by side. But in football, it just doesn't happen. Um, there's always this undercurrent of violence. And when we've moved into the modern era of sporting where everyone sits down, drinking excessively is basically illegal uh where you're patted down going in and it's aimed at women and children a lot more there is this whole culture of the uk that was kind of lost in a way and i'm not saying it was a good culture but it was culture it was an entire era uh, and they do make these parallels back to the sort of second world war a lot in the football factory but as sheer entertainment it is absolutely fantastic Really well cast, really well shot, really well soundtracked, and um, very enjoyable for rewatching. So I'm going to give The Football Factory a 9 out of 10. From The Football Factory soundtrack, possible swearing the streets. Ah!